0: good to see everyone this morning and once again to those that haven't been here for a while it's just always special to see you um, so grateful to you and um, we we had some very uh, special uh, contacts this week and uh, I just want to say to those of you that sent out your love and expressions to uh, to me and my family, um, it was such an encouragement, <clears throat> just a real blessing, uh, powerful and uh, just very sensitive. And so just thankful to, to the Lord uh, for each of you. Today we do have a title and um, this is something my wife has been reading out loud at our house Uh, And I thought, this is so encouraging. Uh, It's by Elizabeth Elliot. And uh, it's suffering is never for nothing. Suffering is never for nothing. And so as we continue to just uh, look to the Lord for his loving hand, loving leadership, as he takes us through life. I was uh, reflecting on the many, many years of full-time pastoral ministry that we've had, and you could imagine uh, for 47 years, you could imagine the contacts that we've had with people, uh, the individuals, the families, with uh, five churches that we pastored, and uh, the, the hundreds of people that we've been associated with. And um, we've been with them, a lot of them, through some of the most exciting times in their lives. And then we've also been with individuals and families that were walking through the darkest valleys. Of their lives. The darkest valley that you and I could even imagine. It's just hard to think as I was reflecting. Uh, we had a member here when I came in 1986. Uh, he was a stalwart member, his family, his wife. They, they were like the founding, you know, this, this church actually started in a home. Um, it was a mission all First Baptist Humble. And and it was started. So we're talking about these people that were still around in 1986 when we came. And this man developed a very rare blood disorder as we were going through uh, ministry and and the you know, the little growing pains that we were experiencing as as a a church with about 35 people. Um, And we made up five of them but he developed this very rare blood disorder and it just got worse and worse and worse and so he had transfusions and as they would put and I don't want to be too graphic or anything but you, you need to understand they would do the transfusion put the blood in and it was coming out as fast as it was going in and so I was there at the hospital downtown medical center uh, in his room with him and uh, and he was unconscious at the time, and uh, they had monitors on him, and his son was there. He had, uh, his son was there that day, and um, he said, "I need to go down to the lunchroom for a minute," and he he left. And in the meantime, it, just as he was re-entering the room, his his daddy was bleeding out. And the lines on that monitor that were jagged and, you know, like a road map or whatever, they just went flat, just leveled out, no pulse, no heart rate. And the son just leaned over on his daddy's chest and talked to him and prayed and and loved on him. And I'm standing back and just thinking, Lord... This is so painful, watching a son say goodbye to his daddy. I was there one day when visiting a family at one of the churches in the hospital, and the, the dad was on uh, ICU, in ICU, and he was on all kind of monitors, and I mean just out of nowhere, just suddenly... He just had a massive heart attack and his heart just basically exploded. And I mean, and that was the one I've told y'all that the people were not real strong in the Lord. They were really struggling. And so I saw the doctor pass around tranquilizers to help them cope with what they were facing. And and they they just didn't know how to draw strength from the Lord at that time. Uh and I've told you about the, the young mother, the young mother that was, had, had she had a four-year-old and an infant, and she was taking her husband to the night shift, like 11 o'clock at night at the plant where she was taking him. And uh, it was before car seats, you know, nobody really had car seats, this was way back. And the four-year-old was holding the infant in his, in his lap and a, a drunk. And, the, and I'm going to tell you, there, I have so many stories. I could tell you being a police officer in Houston and seeing what drunk drivers do and people say, oh, yeah, we need to do moderation. I'm going to tell you, I'll go to my grave believing total abstinence from alcohol is the way for the Christian life. I will never apologize for it. it is, there's nothing good comes from it, but it does cause harm and damage. And I've seen it firsthand. So here's this drunk out driving around, and he t-bones this family, this mother, and a little four-year-old, and an infant. The infant was slammed to the floorboard and died. And I did that funeral, and that was that was one of the toughest I've ever ever experienced. Some of you may or may not remember Mrs. Maples, Carl Maples. He got saved in his 80s here. Mrs. Maples was a teacher. We walked. She, they walked. I kind of would come behind occasionally. And uh, she had a son killed right up here at 59 in Beltway in a car wreck. He had just gotten in, I think, from the service or was in the service and he got killed in a car wreck. And even though we weren't here at the time, we weren't present when it happened. But she talked about it a lot when we would have talks and walks and things and spent time. That she, she had, It was a very painful thing for her to say that she had a son killed in a car wreck just right down the road. So it's important that Christians, and I'm not sure this message is out there for for all the churches. It should be, but but a lot of people leave this off. In fact, I've got a dear friend. We've developed a relationship up in the country. He's a dear brother in Christ, but he's very he leans a lot more charismatic in that camp. And uh, so one day I was asking him how he was doing, you know, health-wise. He had had some, he had had some blood clots in his arms, and so I was asking him, and and he kind of leaned over and he said, "Now I'm not I'm not going to speak this, but uh, you know he didn't even want to say it that he was having problems. But but uh, so a lot of people don't even want to think about the idea that Christians may have to go through from some suffering in their Christian life. They just they just wanted they for some reason they're leaving out parts of the Bible that are so clear and so plain, but pain and sorrow." For the Christian is part of the Christian life. And uh, there are some very basic truths that we need to be reminded of and be uh, forever, our, our, our depth of understanding should be growing as we grow in grace and we grow in, in the, uh, our being conformed to the image of Christ. We need to grow in our understanding of the working, how God works through suffering and pain. And, and it's important that we understand that so much of what we face in life, so much of what we face in life is a choice. We, we make choices just like we heard in Sunday school choices to to deny ourselves and give of our time and our resources and things, not just follow my hand grenade, but maybe longer term things of helping others. And so there are choices along the way. So as God is dealing with us as Christians, as individuals, as his children, we have a choice to make, to choose whether we're going to be obedient to him and embrace what he's doing or, we, and, and, and or miss the blessings and rewards and the lessons and insights that God wants to give us as we go through the trials and the suffering. So we, we, we can choose to trust God, and you've heard so many. I mean, my wife has shared, others have shared, One of my former pastors, you know, when his was his daughter had water on the brain, and and he said he was just crying out to God. He was on his face before God, just crying to God. They're going to have to do brain surgery to put a stent in there, and and he said God was so sweet to him, but said, "Can you trust me even now? Can you trust me even now?" So we've got to learn to trust him, no matter what our circumstances look like. So it's important to to consider some things from the Word of God. So let's start. We'll see how we do. Look at the book of James, and this is something that we've taught for years and years. It's important to understand. But as we encounter, as we encounter trials and suffering and and and. Uh, hard things, difficulties, we need to remember some very, this is so, and I've, I don't know how many times I've even, I can remember at one of the seminars, Terry, they had a men's meeting and they asked me to share some things with some men. And it was about this back then. This is so critical that we, that we get this. So James 1, my brethren, verse 2, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. And you've heard me say this so many times, I'm sure. But diverse temptations, that's not temptations of sin. It's a variety of trials. It's, it's like we had years ago, we had uh, uh, canaries. And they have solid colors, and then they have some that have mixed colors, variety of colors. It's called, they call it variegated. And so a variety of trials, and that's why your trial is different than my trial. But we all basically have a form of a trial. So count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or in a variety of trials that we're going to face. We have them. We have, and again, I even picked up today from Terry as he was speaking uh, there is, I, I think, maybe more so than I even really realized uh, up until just a few weeks ago. But there is a real concern over the economy. People are really concerned. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's to Y two K level, but I, I'm, I'm amazed at how many people are thinking in terms of, you know, thinking about the, you know, what do you do in the, in the if. If we lose our electricity for a lengthy time and things like that. So concerns over the economy, inflation, uh, just general finances. And then I've even heard someone here recently say, you know, about war. You know, what about China? What about Russia? Uh, Iran? All these different things about war, the future, uh, our health. You know, as we've dealt with and, and, and had so many wonderful uh, members in our churches, along the way, people have health issues. And it's inevitable. I mean, Mrs. Strawhall had cancer, I think, two or three times. And um, Mr. Jones had open heart surgery. And just uh, people have sickness. We've lost some sweet, sweet members here in the recent years that have had cancer and i just heard just uh, just this week a man that i've met on the phone i've never seen him i couldn't pick him out of a lineup but i've met him through you know our relationships up there and um just found out he's very, very, very sick with cancer. I didn't even I I didn't know. I mean he he owns a big business, and someone told me, a total stranger by the way, said, Did you know that he's really got bad cancer? And I I did not know that. But so people have health issues, sickness and things, and and even relationship issues. And so at varying degrees varying degrees, we all have some things going on that I think could fall under the category of pain and suffering in the Christian life. And I wish, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful, and please be, let's just be real transparent, wouldn't it be wonderful if, if we could say, man, every week, every week, it's my wife and I are having a high five week every day day, we're going around the house skipping and jumping and shouting and praising God and slapping high fives and all the other stuff you do with it and all that that I see kids do I don't know how to do but you know don't you is there anybody here that has that kind of week every week I mean, do you always have a high every week since January 1st? That's the way it's been for you. You've never had a struggle. You've never had a day that you woke up and said, well, I just hope I can get through today. I mean, anybody? <laughs> I mean, really? I, I'm sorry. I don't want to be, you know, kind of discouraging, but I just don't know anybody like that, if they're really being honest. If they're really being honest. And so down deep inside of us, because of our relationship with Christ, because of the Word of God, because the Word of God commands it and demands it of us, there and it's really, I don't think this joy that James is referring to is anything that I can look in the mirror and strain hard enough to make happen in my life. I believe this joy is the fruit of the Spirit and it's produced by the Spirit. And but my attitude and my response to my circumstances plays such a huge part in the joy, the level of joy that I have in my life. It's so critical that down deep inside of us, there's an underlying, there should be, this underlying agreement that I am saved and if everything else went wrong because of the blood because of the empty tomb because of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us as individuals that ought to be everything to the Christian because I'm going to tell you what people are dying right and left all around us and those that are dying without Christ are dying with no hope and you know what? They can they can play the tough guy. They can be like, I'm not afraid, but I'm gonna tell you, and I found Linda found a tract and I've got one in my pocket. One minute, it's the title of it's one minute after you die. One minute after you die. So deep inside of us, because of our salvation, because we know who's in control ultimately because we know the promises of God, the more our faith and trust in the Lord increases, the more our capacity for joy will increase. So it's important that we think, as we're thinking today about pain and suffering, it's important that we think about our response to what's going on. And I wish I could say We've all got it down and we're all doing it perfectly, but I'm not. But we're moving in the right direction. And so that's about joy. Consider it all joy and consider all the facts around what's going on. And then verse five, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. I've asked men and families for over 40 years now to not overlook this verse. And please don't forget, daily and maybe multiple times a day, cry out to God for wisdom. We need His wisdom. And it's been defined in so many different ways. But I like the definition that wisdom is seeing life from God's viewpoint, from His advantage point. He begin to see. So that's what we need We don't need this tunnel vision that just keeps our focus on my problem and on my pain and on my suffering. But I need to see the bigger picture. I need to see the sovereignty, the sovereign will of God functioning, working in my life. And so ask God for wisdom. And I think this scripture bears it out pretty well. You'll never wear out your welcome You can't ask too many times. You know, just think about it. Parents, you parents have young children. How many times a day your children ask for something like, I want this, I'm hungry for this, I need a snack, I I need to do this, I need to do that. Can we, are we through with school yet? Can we play? I mean, are we almost there? You're on a trip. Are we almost there? Huh? Folks, when we come to our Heavenly Father, we can't come too often. And we're never, ever going to wear it our welcome. He's always there. And I remember Rod Poole, and I, I'm sure you remember this, and you've prayed it. I don't know how many times you've prayed it. But when we go to God, our Father, you'll never find the line busy. You'll never get a busy signal on the line. He's always available. He's always ready to hear from us. And I'm confident that even if our humanity gets in the way of the last dose of wisdom we got, he's not going to say, now you've had your ration for the week. That's it. You've had it. This is all you're going to get. No, he continues to put. It's just the character of God It's just who He is. He wants us to come to Him. He wants us to ask Him. He wants us to ask for wisdom. And He will never say no to us. He's constantly wanting to give us the wisdom so that we can see life from His perspective. You're not going to wear out your welcome. And it is a necessity for life. So fathers, we're, we're living in some dangerous times. We're living in some very, very, very strange times. And I just can't imagine a Christian dad raising children today and not saying, oh, by the way, God said I need to ask for wisdom. Well, I'll get around to it. You know, I'll, I'll just maybe, maybe tomorrow when I have more time. No, I think you need to make time. I think you need to ask God for wisdom. Fathers and then mothers, you know, dad's at work, he's off. You need to be asking God for wisdom. You're formulating the very lives Your little children are watching your every move. They watch you when you're down, when you're discouraged. They're watching you. It's one thing to put on, you know, your blue and white and come and look so spiritual on Sunday. But they know you seven days a week and they know what they're seeing. They know the real you. And you really can't hide it from them. So mothers, you need to be asking for wisdom and children. If you're old enough to even hear this message, you need to be asking God for wisdom But how you can be the best child, the most obedient child for your parents and represent Christ, you need to be asking for wisdom. So suffering, then as we think about joy and asking for wisdom, suffering is a part of the Christian life. So I'm going to just kind of throw out some, some examples, not not a lot, not not overwhelm you with them. But if you want to turn in your Bibles to Acts uh, chapter 9, just, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just this is where the apostle Paul, Saul, was uh, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter, verse 1 against the disciples of the Lord. And so then this is where he ends up on the Damascus road and he gets the the voice that came to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And, and who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And then the conversation with this the Damascus Road experience, but then Ananias. And this is incredible when you see in verse 15... But the Lord said unto him, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. But look at verse 16. Does everybody see this verse? Verse 16, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now here's the chosen vessel. The apostle Paul, he's been converted, and the message is oh, by the way, I'm gonna show him the things that he's gonna suffer for my name's sake. Now, it's not that's not the it's not what people want to hear. They want to hear that you know, God's gonna take away all your problems and all your trials, and you know, you're just gonna live a life that's just you know grand and glorious and you don't have to think about it but the bible is absolutely full of scripture that talks about the sufferings Matthew 5:11 blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely in other words false witnesses people are saying things that are really untrue about you for his namesake. Matthew 10, 22, And ye shall be hated of all men for my namesake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. So that's that's a real popular message. And, you know, you have a a congregation of 15 or 20,000 people and say, Oh, by the way, you know, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you. I mean, that's not what people want to hear. They don't want to hear the the message of, oh, I'm being called to suffer for the sake of Christ. Matthew 10, 39, He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. And on and on and on it goes, warning of the road to suffering for the believer now if you will turn to first peter first peter chapter 2 i want you to look at a contrast there's two things here that i want you to be able to see Servants, verse 18, servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. Now that's the Christian message. You know, you've got bosses out there and they don't like Christians and they don't like you and they don't want you around and they're going to take advantage of you and they're going to talk bad of you and they're not going to be even fair with you. And you can see that in a lot of people with their in their work experience. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, not only the ones that treat you right, but also the ones that treat you wrong. And that's the Christian message for this is thankworthy. Now, think about this. Follow this line of thinking. This is thankworthy if a man for conscience towards God endure grief, comma, suffering wrongfully. In other words, if they make any, you know what? It would be so much like the pattern of our Lord Jesus Himself. There were false uh, witnesses; they made up lies. They had several. And Dan, the last time you taught, I think you taught on the court and all the different things, and the, how this one would say this, and this one would say that, and the other one. And they were just bringing up lies against our Savior. And so, for this is thankworthy. In other words, this is a good thing. If a man for conscience towards God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. In other words, if people actually do say things about you and, and you suffer and it's wrong that they said the things and they hurt you, this is a good thing. And then verse 20, for what glory is it if when you are buffeted or when you're rebuked for your faults... So you get disciplined at work because you're not a good worker because you didn't do what they ask you to do. And so, so what glory is it? How does God get the glory out of the Christian life that's actually getting something that he, that's due Him because of the way He's acted at work? What glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults? And you take it patiently. And I've heard this. you probably heard it too. But I've heard this. You know, people say, oh, I've I've just got such a hard time at work. I'm just suffering for Jesus. I'm not convinced that every Christian man is suffering for Jesus at work. Now, in his mind, he may be thinking that. But it may be because of his own lack of character. Amen. And that's really true. It could be because of his own human failures and they expect something from you. And you know what? They expect many times more from you because you are a Christian. For what glory is it if when you're buffeted for your faults and you take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. This is acceptable with God. So, our response to what is before us, the the uh, the life that God has permitted, the life that God has allowed to come our way, it's important that we respond. And we're not responding because of our human flesh and failures, but we are actually being persecuted and afflicted because of our love for Jesus. And people, look, the devil hates Christ. Many um, people that are not Christians, they hate Christ and they hate the Christ in you. And by the way, they hate his church. And so it's important that we respond. So ultimately our response is so absolutely critical as we go through the trials that God permits that our response would glorify God. Now then, let me just say a couple of quick things about our trials. We've kind of alluded to this here the last Lord's Supper or two when we talk about self-examination. But we need to make sure that when we have affliction and we have issues going on, and this is for all of us, none of us should be exempt if we're believers. We should examine first, if it's a Hebrews 12, 6, 7, and 8, because God says He disciplines those whom He loves. So is the trial that you're facing, the suffering you are going through, Is it because of chastisement? And I think every Christian ought to be honest with God and be open to the fact that God, I want you to tell me, is this for discipline? And then in the John 9 passage, 1 and 3, it talks about is this a sickness unto death or a sickness unto God's glory? Is it so? Is it for chastisement? Is it for death? or it's for God's glory. Now, like I said, I've been a pastor a long time, and I, it is rare to find a Christian that will come in and sit down in our office and say, I know what I'm going through is discipline, it's chastisement because of my disobedience to God. It's rare to find that person that will admit that I'm getting what, what uh, the loving hand of God. So it's up to us. Well, I can't do it for you and you can't do it for me. But we need to decide, is this discipline? What I'm going through, is it discipline? Is it for death? And we're all going to face that one day, apart from uh, Jesus coming for his bride. Or is this for God's glory? And hopefully it'll be for God's glory. But I would say mm, probably 80 Eighty-five percent of everybody that comes into the office and talks about their trials and suffering, about 80 to 85 percent all say, "Well, this is for God's glory. It's not death and it's not for chastisement. This is just so God will be glorified." And, and prayer I hope that's the case. I hope that's the case. So But it's an opportunity as we face trials to turn to Christ, repent, turn from our, our worldly ways, And 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 allow that suffering to be a catalyst, if you will, an opportunity for us to really get to the end of ourselves so that the things of the world are not quite as interesting as they were before you started the trial. So you can put the cares of the world behind you and all of a sudden you can say, you know what, it really doesn't matter if the Astros are in the World Series. It really doesn't matter if, uh, and I I was really heart sick that the Aggies lost yesterday. I just, I saw the score, but I was very disappointed in that. I mean, how do you, how can you be number six in the nation and end up and let some little school like whatever it was to beat? I mean, you know, and uh, the coach, I mean, I'm sure he's got to be thinking, you know, I wonder how many more losing losses I can have before I get uh, trials. So it's an opportunity for us to put things behind us, to repent, to examine, to look at ourselves. And then 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us to rejoice evermore. So again, this is going back to our response. Uh, We all, there's this joy that is developed in us by the Holy Spirit, but we're also to be uh, a rejoicing. And I never will forget Otto Koning. I heard him live one time at a, at a meeting, a group meeting, and, and it was like Friday morning. We were getting ready to leave that morning, and it was like the conference was over with at noon, and it was like he said the most powerful thing there at the very last. He said rejoicing is a choice. Rejoicing is a choice. Now, I will say my wife has said that to me a few times. She's, she's actually had to remind me of that a few times because I would, uh, you know, kind of mumble my breath a little bit. And she'd say, remember, Rod, rejoicing is a choice. And so it's we're talking about our response to what we're going through in life. And you know what others others see? The other, it's so important that others see a Christ-like response to whatever it is we're facing. So we're to rejoice evermore, we're to pray without ceasing, and we just, just want to be in the center of God's will. Rejoicing is certainly a choice. Now, I wanted to um, share a couple of things, not not read chapters or anything like that, but this book is just... Incredible. And I'm not one that really when I'm driving or you know, we're sitting around, I'm not one to really have someone read to me that much. But this has been intriguing. Elizabeth Elliot, suffering is never for nothing. I want you all to remember that statement. Suffering is never for nothing. So let me just read a couple of these things that I saw that, that I've highlighted here. She says and she writes in one of the closing chapters, this truth, this statement, this truth has led Elizabeth to say whatever is in the cup. Now when she refers to the cup, she's talking about the Lord in Gethsemane. Lord, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Talking about the cup. So the truth, this truth has led Elizabeth to say whatever is Is in the cup that God is offering to me, whether it be pain or sorrow and suffering and grief, along with the many joys, I am willing. Now listen, this is so, I mean, I I hope you can appreciate. I am willing to take it because I trust him. I'm willing to take that cup because I trust I trust him I don't doubt him I trust him because suffering is never for nothing suffering is never for nothing another statement I wrote down from her from her book here she said she wrote and taught and believed as she taught to conferences and spoke with people there is a in fact no, and this is, I mean, to me, this is like, man, these are powerful. There is, in fact, no redemptive work done anywhere without suffering. Think about that. There is no redemptive work done anywhere without suffering. She says to accept the cup of suffering from our Father's hand. Take it from Him. Allow Him to give it to you. It's the cup He's chosen for you. And I really, really, really appreciated this thought. There have been some hard things in my life. Of course, as there have been in yours. And I cannot say to you, I know exactly what you're going through. And you know what, folks, we need to be careful how we respond to people that are going through very hard times, very difficult times. And how many times have we thought or probably said, I know exactly what you're going through. I, and then we start off saying, this is what I've been through. But I like this. There have been some hard things in my life, of course, as there have been in yours. And I cannot say to you, I know exactly what you're going through. But I can say that I know the one who knows. And I've come to see that through the deepest sufferings that God has taught me the deepest lessons. I mean, through the deepest sufferings, God has taught me the deepest lessons. If we learn to know God in the midst of our pain, we come to know him as one who is not a high priest that cannot be touched with feelings of our infirmities. He is one who has been over every inch of the road. Folks, I'm going to tell you what. There's a call to all of us today we need to think about what we're going through. We need to think about the sickness, the suffering, other ways that we're suffering. We need to think about that and think about, now what is my response? How, is, how am I responding so that God will get the most glory from my trial. And you've heard, you've heard this, don't waste your sorrows. Don't waste your sorrows. Don't waste what God is allowed. And, and there's so many basics. All things are working together for good. I mean, do we believe it or do we not believe it? That all things are working together for good. Do you believe it or do you say, well, in this circumstance I don't believe that. No, all things are working together for good. For those that love God, them that love God and are called according to His purpose. But He has divinely permitted it whatever it is that's come in your life there I, none of us will be able to say that slipped by god he was asleep at the wheel he didn't know i'm sure if he would have been awake he wouldn't have let that come my way no everything that comes into our life everything is with God's divine permission. You can't find anything as a believer. You can't find anything. You're not going to be able to point one day in heaven and say, Well, that got by God. No, none of it. He allowed it. It's a cup. And our, our flesh says, Let it pass from me. And God says, I'm wanting to, I'm wanting to really do some work here. But it's, are we going to embrace the cup? Are we going to drink from the cup that God has so graciously given? Is that our response today? We're going to have an invitation. We're going to have an invitation. And it's up to us. We all have a choice. I do believe in the free will of man. We do have a choice. And we can decide today how we're going to respond to the trial, the sufferings, the, the pain that we're feeling. We're going to need to decide today. And I think this altar time... Could be a very special time for all of us that we embrace the cup that God has allowed to come our way, that he is sent to glorify himself, that we would be the people, chosen vessel. I'm going I'm to reveal to him all the ways he's going to have, have an opportunity to suffer for me. Think about that. God's not out to hurt you. He's not out to harm you. He's not trying to, you know, make your life miserable. There's a way for him to be glorified. And it's through obedience to whatever it is that God has permitted to come into our lives. And we'll never know, maybe this side of heaven, how many people are affected by our our proper response to the challenges that we face. We all have them. I can't look across this congregation and see anybody that doesn't have a trial. We all have them at different levels, different varieties, different types. But we've all got them. But we all have one opportunity to say yes to him and trust him in the midst of it, whatever it may be. And let's take advantage. Let's, let's do business. Let's respond. Let's, let's be obedient to him then when it's all said and done and you've got all of eternity to rejoice in heaven, then you'll be able to see, I think you'll see, the benefits of proper response. Just remember, there's, suffering is not ever for nothing. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're so grateful to you for your word. There's so much in this. There's more than we can even cover in such a short time. The sufferings of Christ and all that he went through for us. The lies, the, the abuse, the beating, the cross, the shed blood, the false accusations, the charges that were made. Oh Lord, help us, help us to get out of the, the pity party of life, and help us to be walking in your grace. Help us to be obedient, and we 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 all will face different trials and challenges some of us at a greater level than others, but I pray, Father, that you would do a great work in our hearts today that our church would say yes to you. Whatever cup that you give us to participate in, to sup from, we accept that cup, Father. We accept it as from your hand. You've given it. You're sovereign. You're in control, and we trust you. Pray for those that might be lost without Christ. They need to be saved for it's too late for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.